it's September, the wheels are falling off, and the San Francisco Giants have got to change their ways. I am Kerry Crowley. Welcome into another edition of the Kerry Crowley Show. And before we get going today, where I will talk about the Giants' hierarchy of power, what they will realistically change at the end of this season, and what they should realistically change at the end of this season and into 2024, I just want to thank everyone who has liked and subscribed to this show already, whether it be on YouTube, Spotify, a different podcast app. I was really overwhelmed by the responses that we got earlier this week after I kind of did a breakdown on why the Giants lineup looks so bad and everything that transpired from after the 2021 season that led the Giants to this point where they're in this extremely disappointing September free fall. As you know, they've dropped down to 70 and 70 on the season after a 500-year season to go. They're back to 500 this season. And I really also appreciate the feedback that I got. I think a lot of you who know me and have listened to me through the years uh, understand that I typically talk at just one speed. I've done six years as a fill-in host on KMBR starting all the way back in 2017. Uh, So this would be my seventh season talking about Giants baseball in an on-air capacity. And a lot of people, whether it be on YouTube or Spotify, they were first-time listeners and they were not accustomed to how fast I talk and basically how I'm always at 1.5 speed if you listen to podcasts at that level. So I appreciate you putting up with me. I am going to try to inject a little bit more of my personality. This is going to be less like a radio show and more like a conversation. I'll have guests, I'll have mailbag episodes, but the bottom line is I hear you, I see those comments, and quite frankly, I'm just so grateful that you're willing to take the time to listen. And so that's enough with that. Let's get right into the meat of today's episode. I want to talk about why and when the Giants will change, what must change, but I think to start this conversation, we need to talk about the Giants' hierarchy of power because So often when I'm watching a Giants game and they're losing and things are spiraling out of control and it feels like they're not getting a hit or seemingly they aren't getting a hit, which has happened uh, just about every game over the last few weeks where, you know, if they string two together, it's a minor miracle. I see tweets or I see social media posts, people on Instagram saying, get rid of Gabe Kapler, fire Gabe Kapler. And really, I understand that mentality and I understand the sentiment. But if you want to understand why the Giants look the way they do and why the lineup is flailing, it's not because of individual decisions Gabe Kapler is making on a game-by-game basis. They are not in free fall because of what their manager has done. They are in free fall because of how their organization is structured and decisions made at the very top. And some of this is on Farhan Zaidi, the Giants' president of baseball operations, who took over in November 2018 and has been at the helm for what? five seasons now, so the Giants should be having better results. But the reality is, I think organizational structural issues for the Giants and the reason they look the way they do right now comes from the top. It comes from Greg Johnson, who is the control person, the chairman of this franchise right now. And I don't know, I really do question Greg Johnson's commitment to spending at the level that the Giants once did and spending in a way that would make the Giants among the top five, six, seven franchises in Major League Baseball in terms of what they're willing to allocate to their payroll. And I say that because obviously things dramatically changed after the 2017 season when the Giants were forced to take a bit of a step back, even though they let, they leaned in with their core and they brought in Andrew McCutcheon, they brought in Evan Longoria. They didn't want to give up just yet after a 98 loss season, but 
Really after that, the Giants understood that things would be different in their World Series glory days, the golden era of Giants baseball in San Francisco, it was all coming to an end. And so you had this transition after 2018, after another disappointing year, from Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans to Farhan Zaidi. But you also have a transition going on in the organization where Charles Johnson is no longer the person in charge. The Giants were looking for a control person. Rob Dean at one point was that person. And sometime along the line, 2020, 2021, they settle on Charles Johnson's son, Greg Johnson, who of course has been with the organization for a long time, but I don't think has quite been in the spotlight in the way that he is right now as the Giants' you know, primary principal owner, the person who was out there at the Buster Posey retirement press conference, the person who really fields questions from beat reporters and anyone who's looking to get insight into how the Giants operate. Greg Johnson is the person who's in charge of those decisions right now. And so I do question his commitment to spending at the level that the Giants just did because you look at their payroll from... 2010, 2012, 2014, all the way through recent years. And it just feels like the Giants are not willing to go a dollar above uh, what would put them in the red. And any business person is going to tell you you're not doing the right thing if you're operating in the red. But I think sports franchises, and we see this with the San Diego Padres right now, they're different beasts. Look, the Johnson family has generational wealth. Giants fans, they expect to be a contender on a yearly basis. Uh, the Giants' ownership for many, many years, basically dating all the way back to you know 1993 when Peter McGowan and that group came in and saved the team from being moved, they've been committed to winning and committed to being one of the pillar franchises of Major League Baseball, one of the top teams in the league on an annual basis. And so I just look at the way the organization is structured right now. I look at their payroll and I don't see a commitment to being a top five, top six, top seven team. And what the Giants will tell you, what Greg Johnson will probably say in interviews is, hey, our attendance isn't back yet from the pandemic. We are not selling out the ballpark and we're not in a position where we're ready to get there from a financial perspective. And my counter to that is, with the way the Giants build their roster, I think they've lost a lot of fans through the years. I think that a number of people who were season ticket holders from the year the Giants opened the ballpark in 2000 at China Basin, all the way up through say 2018, 2019, the Giants, when they made this organizational decision to go with Farhan Zaidi and go with a completely different way of building their roster, I think that they lost a lot of long-term fans. I think a lot of people aren't coming back unless the Giants change their ways because, look, the platoon system worked for them in 2021. But there were also a lot of people who, yes, the Giants won 107 games, but that style didn't really appeal to them. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, I talked to a lot of friends throughout the 2021 season who were disappointed in the way the Giants lineup looked, in the way that Giants starting pitchers were sometimes uh, being used as bulk innings pitchers in bullpen games. The second half of that season, you have to remember, August and September, the Giants didn't have a rotation, much like they didn't during the second half to open this season. So that style of baseball, while popular and while different teams and different organizations have proven that they can win with it, I think it's just really difficult to maintain fan interest over the long haul when you don't have homegrown talent coming through the farm system on an annual basis to prop you up. And I said this in the last episode of my show, the Giants are not going to have another crop of generational players and Matt Cain, Tim Linscombe, Madison Bumgarner, Pablo Sandoval, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, 
all coming through the farm system at the same time. It's just unrealistic to think that you can win three titles in a five-year span probably any time within the next 50 years. That type of thing doesn't happen for any baseball franchise, and it's not going to happen again for the San Francisco Giants. But where you lose people as an ownership group, as a front office, as a manager, as a coaching staff, where you lose people as a franchise is when you're committed to building something that doesn't feel sustainable in the long run. And that's exactly what it feels like the Giants have been building over the last few seasons, where they sign these short-term deals, they're afraid to commit to players long-term, and the players who are coming through the farm system aren't producing at an elite level. So if you're looking for a blame to place on why the Giants look the way they do, I know a lot of people see the games play out and they want to say manager, manager, manager. I'm telling you, this starts with ownership and it starts with Greg Johnson committing more resources, having a higher payroll, being willing to spend more in all aspects of the organization. And until the Giants do that, I don't know that this team is going to return to a sustainable level of success for a long time. And while Greg Johnson certainly shoulders a lot of the blame in that regard, I do think that Farhan Zaidi deserves a significant portion of the blame for the way that the Giants looked in 2022 and this season right now in 2023 with their September collapse, with their second half flailing numbers after the All-Star break, uh, with the offensive numbers that you've seen since basically the end of June. It's just been dismal. And, uh, you know, there was an interview this week. I think Farhan Zaidi was talking to Susan Slusser, the San Francisco Chronicle, saying that he was confident that the Giants' bats would come back. I don't really know where that confidence stems from because, you see the players that the Giants are rolling out there on a daily basis. There are a number of decent players. Tyro Estrada, Lamont Wade Jr., J.D. Davis. All of these guys can fill roles on a successful team. But as I've said before, those are role players. Those are not your two, three, four hitters as the Giants have tried to turn them into over the last season plus. And so Farhan Zaidi deserves some of the blame for the decisions. But when he makes big decisions, when he makes big financial commitments or wants to swing a trade, those go through Charles Johnson, or excuse me, Greg Johnson, the chairman of the organization right now. So you want to trade for Juan Soto, you have to run that idea by Greg Johnson. You want to sign Carlos Correa, you know that ownership was involved in that kind of a decision. And of course, ownership was kept abreast of the medical updates as well. So Farhan has and can try to justify all of the moves that he makes, but he is, at the end of the day, not setting the, the payroll figure that the Giants front office must adhere to on a daily basis. So my sense is Farhan and Greg come to an agreement alongside other members of the board of directors that the Giants have on their payroll figure at the beginning of the year. I think they then make an assessment at the trade deadline each year if a group is worth leaning into. And I do believe, I know there's a lot of people out there who feel the opposite way that I do. I do believe the Giants deserve to have their lineup and their rotation fortified at this year's trade deadline, but maybe Greg Johnson wasn't willing to open up some of the payroll. Maybe he wasn't willing to say, hey, attendance is good enough that we can boost this team. We have the revenue to get us there. So I think that you know, general manager Pete Petilla is also within this power structure. He also fits in somewhere. But my sense is he does a lot of the phone calls. He does a lot of the transactional work, reaching out to other executives, reaching out to different people. He acts as a link with baseball operations. So he doesn't share in the same type of blame that I think you would put on the top two people in the organization, Greg Johnson and Farhan Zaidi right now. And so I get the question a lot as well. Is Gabe Kapler a good manager and how much of the blame should he sold should he soldier for where the Giants are right now in this, you know, 
devastating second half of the season where they had a grip on a wild card spot and they lost it. And I think that he takes a lot of the blame publicly, but that's just because historically managers have always done that. In the last 10 to 15 years, we've seen a dramatic shift in the way that managers make decisions, in the way that they process information during games because they're in constant communication with front offices before and after games. They're in constant communication with baseball operations people before and after games. And so uh, my counterpoint to anyone who says Gabe Kapler isn't putting out a productive lineup on a daily basis and he needs to shake things up, at the end of the day, I actually don't think that Gabe Kapler makes the final call on something like that. I think that he has a voice in the room, but there are a lot of people who end up making that call. And I know this because I was told by a former Giants executive, someone high-ranking in the front office when I first began covering the team, that the Giants had analytics people handing Bruce Bochy prospective lineups as early as like 2012, 2013. And of course, Bruce Bochy had the final say on the lineups in those years. But by the end of his tenure with Bobby Evans and Brian Sabian, I'm not talking 2019 when he was running the organization with Farhan Zaidi at the top, there were people who were influencing lineup and pitcher decisions who maybe weren't at the beginning of Bruce Bochy's tenure or in the middle, the glory years of Bruce Bochy's tenure. So I think it's really hard to answer the question of whether Gabe Kapler is a good manager because 90% of fan bases think their manager could be better. 90% of fan bases think that their bullpen could be better. And really, the most important thing that a manager does in the modern game is juggle personalities in a clubhouse and help personalities, help players understand what role they need to fill on a roster. And the Giants roster, unfortunately, from the fans' perspective, requires a lot of active management. And to that regard, I think Gabe Kapler has done maybe as decent of a job as you might expect from someone in his position because there are a lot of players who buy in. I go back to 2021. The Giants sold Buster Posey on the idea of playing two out of every three games. They sold Brandon Belt on sitting out against some lefties. Brandon Crawford took some days off, and maybe he wouldn't have earlier in his career. And you got the stars to buy in that year, and they also got role players. Like, was it easy to tell Austin Slater that he wouldn't be an everyday player? Probably not, but Austin Slater truly believes that he can mash left-handed pitchers, and that's a role that he's filled for the Giants. You know, there are a ton of pitchers on the Giants staff. I look at a guy like Tristan Beck, he could make a claim that he should be starting every fifth day during his rookie season. I think he's been good enough that, hey, he doesn't want to be you know, sent back and forth from the bullpen to the rotation, but you haven't heard a whole lot of complaints. The one person who's really complained vocally this year, I think, is Alex Wood, but he is a veteran pitcher who, in my opinion, thinks that he deserves more than he actually does. And so if you lose Alex Wood, you're probably not losing the whole clubhouse. And if you lose one or two or three players along the way in, you know, telling them what their role is going to be and helping them accept and see that a path to success is there for them, that's going to happen over the course of a season. Where I think that Giants fans maybe missed the mark, or at least a number of people missed the mark with regard to Gabe Kapler. I wouldn't say this is true of every fan base. You have to look at the roster that he's actually dealing with. Because you look at the Giants and you see this roster at the outset of the season, it would have been hard to project that they'd be better than 500. It would have been hard to say, hey, this is a wild card team. This is a team that could really give the Dodgers a run for their money. Or back in February, this is a team that could give the Dodgers and the Padres a run for their money. The fact that the Giants are here at all, 
I, I think speaks to the idea that Gabe Kapler is okay at his job. At his job, am I saying that you get to the postseason and suddenly he turns into Bruce Bochy in October? Absolutely not. No way, shape, or form am I saying that. But what I do think he does on a daily basis is communicates fairly well to players. And are his answers in post-game press conferences satisfactory? Are his answers, uh, you know, when you see him on TV satisfactory? No, not really. No one wants to hear about collaborative decisions that the organization is making. People want to hear leaders who take ownership for what's transpired on the field. People want to hear from a manager who says, this was incredibly disappointment, uh, disappointing, something has to change right now. But Gabe Kapler is relatively even keeled. I also think that Gabe Kapler does a decent job with the roster that he's given, which is not that great of a roster, in trying to maximize what that group can do. I go back to 2021, and I know that that is more of an outlier right now than what we've seen for the rest of his tenure. But to finish with more wins than the Dodgers th that season, for a roster that, again, required a lot of active management, that was an achievement. He should have won manager of the year, and he did. And is he still a manager of the year quality manager? No, not right now, and not certainly during the second half of the season. Not certainly with the coaching staff that he's assembled, which I think has not done a nearly good enough job with the Giants hitters that they have right now. But I also don't think he deserves this massive share of the blame. I think if you're looking for blame in the Giants organization, you're better off putting the blame on ownership and the front office. And that's not to absolve Kapler completely. I think there are certainly things that he could do differently. But when you see an opener, that's not Gabe making that decision. He's being told, hey, we're bringing Ross Tripling out of the bullpen for five, and you're going to start a Scott Alexander today because that's the way the analytics tell us. And is he on board with those analytics? I do think most of the time he is, but there are other times. You see Kyle Harrison go 91 pitches against the San Diego Padres. Should he have been pulled earlier before Garrett Cooper? I think a lot of us would have agreed yes. The answer is Gabe Kapler should have gone out and got him. Should Alex Cobb have thrown 131 pitches? Probably not. The analytics would tell you to pull Alex Cobb, but Gabe Kapler probably stuck with his gut there and said, I'm going to let this 35-year-old have a chance at history. And so there are a lot of people that want to place blame solely on the manager, but I'm telling you, he is only deserving of a portion of the blame that is to go around right now. I think you can put a lot more on front office and quite frankly, a lot more on the ownership group. And so uh, there's, there's a few other topics that I want to get into uh, with regard to the San Francisco Giants as I scroll down in my notes here. Uh, and that is, let's say, okay, they're 70 and 70 right now with 22 games left to play on the season. What changes will they realistically make at the end of this season? Because there's no doubt in my mind that Farhan Zaidi, year five of his being in charge of the organization, what we've seen last year and this year is not acceptable. Teams throughout Major League Baseball have proven that you can rebuild on the fly faster than the Giants have. A 500 season contending into the month of September, that's simply not good enough for this franchise, particularly if they're going to sell fans before the season, as they tend to do, on being a playoff team, which they did in 2022, which they did at the outset of 2023. Their expectation internally was to be a playoff team, so they need to be held to that standard. And When that standard is not met, changes are made, but typically... It's not the people at the top of the organization who go. Greg Johnson isn't going to fire himself from the chairman position, even though I don't think he has done a very good job in leading the San Francisco Giants. Is Farhan Zaidi going to come back in 2024? I do think, realistically, that Farhan and Gabe will be back entering the final years of their contracts, and it will be a prove-it year 
for both of them, where if the Giants don't make the playoffs, and quite frankly, the Sanders should be winning a playoff series, then both of them will be looking for jobs elsewhere next offseason. Do I think that that will happen this year? I think that there will be conversations if the Giants' collapse continues. Say they finish with 77, 78 wins as opposed to 82, 83, 84. I think you need to take a good, long, hard look at the direction of this franchise. But one of the reasons I think that Farhan Zaidi will be back and one of the reasons that I think Gabe Kaplan will be back is firing them costs money. And I don't think the Johnsons and anyone else in the ownership group wants to spend money. And furthermore, I think that with the way that the Giants brought up a number of prospects and with the way that the Giants have drafted in the last few years and with the way that the Giants have developed over the last few years, they are going to want to see this through for at least one more season. Is it reminiscent of 2009 when the Giants won 88 games, missed the playoffs? Probably not yet, but could next year be their 2009 with the expanded playoffs Maybe they make the postseason. Maybe they make some noise. I think that that is within the realm of possibilities for all the young talent that's coming through this franchise right now. So I don't think the Giants will make a change in terms of their baseball operations president with Farhan Zaidi. I don't think that Gabe Kaffer will be fired because he does what Farhan Zaidi asked him to do. Farhan Zaidi went out on a limb to bring a manager whose hire was incredibly unpopular in San Francisco, around the Bay Area with this fan base. He went out on a limb to bring him in. It wouldn't really make sense for Farhan to detach himself from Gabe. To me, it's kind of like, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan down with the San Francisco 49ers. Could you really see one of those two people working for a whole lot longer in the organization if the other wasn't there? I probably couldn't unless Kyle handpicked John's successor, and that type of thing isn't going to happen with Farhan and Gabe. So I think that they are attached to one another. So the real issue is the Giants don't have a natural scapegoat with their ownership group and with their front office to kind of say, hey, this group wasn't up to par because oftentimes when you see uh, fan bases calling for change, the easy thing for front offices and ownership groups to do is say, okay, We'll fire the player development staff. We'll say, hey, they weren't getting it done in the minor leagues this year. We didn't have enough prospects come up and help us. This year, you can't say that about the San Francisco Giants because the player development group has actually done a pretty good job of getting players ready to come to the big leagues. Kyle Harrison made it up. High school kid from the 2020 draft. He's arrived. I, I think that Casey Schmidt, his arrival, even if he hasn't had a great season for the Giants, that was a positive. Patrick Bailey, realizing his potential after a very down season last year, he arrived. Marco Luciano, before he got injured, got to the big leagues. These are all positive developments, and there are a number of other prospects you could talk about and point to within the Giants organization and say, hey, that was a positive development. So you're not probably firing anyone in the farm system this year for their failure. So where do I think the Giants go? I fully anticipate the Giants will let their hitting coaches go at the very least. If not, part of a broader staff shakeup. I think that you know the group that Justin Veeley, Dustin Lind have, that is the easy group to say they're probably not coming back. Should they come back? You look at the second half numbers, I don't think you can make an argument for it. And hitting coach is a job in Major League Baseball. Let's be honest. People just don't hold that job that long. I think the average tenure is something like one and a half to two years. Teams are constantly making hitting coaches the scapegoats for their failures. And so I think the Giants will participate in that this offseason. I think the Giants will clean house with their hitting coach group. And potentially, depending on how bad this stretch gets, Gabe Kapler could be asked to bring in some more veteran coaches from the outside and shake things up on in terms of his bench coach. I think that Kai Correa is still an, a net plus for the organization with what he does with the infield defense, but I think there are other coaches that they could look to shake things up with. So that will change. And I think that the Giants realistically 
even if Farhan Zaidi doesn't necessarily agree with this, will have to take a good long hard look at their player acquisition strategy and shake that up. And so what will look different next year, I think a coaching staff, what I think should look different next year, let's talk about that player acquisition strategy. I, I think that the Giants either need to A, commit to the kids in the farm system and be aggressive, bringing them up uh, and then bringing in major league talent to surround them with. And what I mean by major league talent, people who are young, people who are already proven at the major league level, who are on a path to success. Because what the Giants have done over the last few seasons is brought in a lot of flawed players. Jock Peterson, can't hit left-handed pitching, can't play defense. That's a flawed player making $20 million. Anthony DiScofani, they gave a three-year deal to, long injury history. That's a flawed player. Uh, let's go with Mitch Haniger. Long injury history, didn't produce in 2022, gets a three-year deal from the Giants. That's a flawed player. Alex Wood had never really proven that he could go three times through the order, and yet the Giants projected him to be a starter early in his tenure. That's a flawed player. I went through this the entire other day, but if you're going to bring in flawed players, I would rather see you do it on one-year deals than two- or three-year deals because the multi-year deals that the Giants have given out in Farhan Zaidi's tenure, they have mostly been net negatives for the Giants. Michael Conforto could opt in. Uh, Sean Manaya, Ross Stripling, they could opt in and be members of the San Francisco Giants next season. And I think that that is a sign that the front office made miscalculations with those deals that they did beyond one year. When in the past, if you just limit the damage to one year, you've done yourself a bit of a favor. Look, Kevin Gossman was just signed for one year, and yes, the Giants wanted to bring him back after the good 2020 season that he had. They did on a one-year deal, and they missed by not giving him a long-term deal. But I think that giving him maybe a two- or a three-year deal, uh, you know, you never know what happens when you give these flawed players who have not lived up to their potential or are on the downslope of their careers like a Tommy Listella. Those deals could ultimately sink you. And I know it's not long-term commitments for the Giants, but ultimately those two or three-year deals, they hurt you a lot more than the one-year deals. And the opt-outs that the Giants have been giving, I think that that's a practice that they need to stop. So I would like to see either a return to giving one-year deals or long-term commitments to really solid veteran players. There are guys out there, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, a number of players that the Giants could look at outside of Shohei Otani this offseason who I think you can make a compelling case that you give a five-year, a six-year deal to, and those are the players that you build around along with the talent that you bring in from the farm. The other thing that I would like to see, let's say a Ross Stripling or a Sean Mania opts in. Let's say you have Mitch Haniger performing poorly during the first half of next season. Let's see the Giants move on from their sunk costs a little sooner. Let's see the Giants recognize that, hey, these were bad deals. These were bad moves at the time, and they are not going to suddenly start performing. The internal culture of we can coach these guys up and we can just get them healthy and put them on a performance plan to where they go down to AAA, they figure out exactly how much they need to play, exactly what's going to work for them at the major league level. That is not going to work long term. And so I think that the Giants need to move on from their sunk costs don't let certain players stick around if they aren't a fit for your future. The other thing, uh, the Giants need middle-of-the-order hitters. I don't care if you go out and you get them through free agency or through trades where you're giving up some prospect capital. I think we've all seen the lineup in 2022 and 2023. It's a disappointing lineup. There's no one in that lineup who a fan wants to go buy a jersey for. There's no one in that lineup who instills fear in the other team. And I think that that is a really, really disappointing factor at this juncture of Farhan Zaidi's tenure in San Francisco. And so 
If you're looking at things the Giants must change next year, I think their player acquisition strategy, they've got to get a little bit sharper with that, either long-term deals or one-year deals. Stop giving out multi-year deals to flawed players. Uh, Middle-of-the-order hitters, find a way, either through free agency or through trades, to bring them in because this lineup's not good enough. And then coaching staff changes. I think that you've got to change who's in the ear of these hitters at the very least. And I think that those are all realistic changes that the Giants can and will make. But the bottom line is, I don't think this organization is going to return to the postseason and be sustainable and have success over the long haul unless Greg Johnson becomes a little bit more aggressive and is willing to spend more money. And his counter, as I said earlier in this episode, will be, well, the ballpark's not filling up. We don't quite have the revenue to where we want it to be right now. My counter to that is you're never going to get the revenue. You're never going to fill the ballpark if you have a team full of players who platoon. If you have guys who are coming through the minor leagues and are not given the opportunity to shine at the major league level, like an Elliot Ramos has not been given during the second half of this season when the Giants absolutely should be playing him. So I think that Greg Johnson needs to channel the spirit of Peter McGowan a little bit more with the way that he ran the ball club. I think that Farhan Zaidi needs to channel the aggressiveness of Brian Savian with the way that he ran the ball club and be willing to take more risks this offseason because Let's assume that the Giants go into 2024 with Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler entering the final year of their deals. Aggression is what's going to get them contract extensions. Being this passive again is going to ultimately hurt the Giants organization next season and beyond. And in my opinion, it's going to leave them in a position where maybe they're winning 84, 85, 86 games if all goes well. But no one in San Francisco after a nine-year drought without winning a postseason series, is going to say in 2024 all of a sudden, hey, getting into the wildcard game was really nice. No one's going to think that that level of competition of being competitive deep into September is really nice. I think that people in San Francisco, people who go to Oracle Park, are fed up with the state of the organization. They're fed up with the fact that 2014 was the last time the Giants won a playoff series. And they're fed up with the fact that there are just not a whole lot of players who are marketable. Yes, you could buy a Logan Webb jersey, a Camilo Doval jersey, a Patrick Bailey jersey, but how about the jersey of a player who's going to hit 30 home runs for you? The Giants haven't been able to do that since 2006. How about the jersey of a player who's going to be a perennial all-star as a position player? The Giants haven't been able to do that with a homegrown player since Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt near the beginning of their careers. And so it has been a long time since the Giants developed enough homegrown talent or brought in enough external talent to field competitive rosters on an annual basis, but that must change this offseason. Giants need to adopt a new outlook, and the goal must be not just get to the playoffs, not just play competitive baseball, but win in the playoffs. Simply getting to the NLDS will be an unacceptable result in 2024, and I think that it would lead to long-term changes in the organization because I don't think that Giants fans will continue to tolerate what they've had to tolerate over the last two seasons and before 2021, dating back to the end of the Sabian and Evans era. So I am Kerry Crowley, host of the Kerry Crowley Show, former Giants beat reporter, covered the team for the Mercury News for five seasons, also covered the team for KMBR, still work as a fill-in host. You can still hear me with Marty Lurie on KMBR, with Bill Lasky on KMBR, but I continue to want to do the shows. We'll be doing a mailbag episode at some point next week. I'll put out a call on Twitter. I'll pull out a, put out a call right now in these YouTube comments. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. If you're listening on Spotify or another podcast app, thank you so much. 
would really appreciate if you're able to drop a five-star rating and boost us. I'm doing this for free right now, doing this in spare time. Uh, maybe one day we'll make money, but right now I just want to make connections with Giants fans because as a beat reporter, I loved doing that, and that's what I miss so much about the job. So uh, we'll talk about other things at some point. I'll tell great great travel stories uh, from the beat. I'll tell you some inside scoops from the beat, stories that I haven't told yet, but uh, there's so much to get to over the remainder of this 2023 season and into the 2024 offseason. Really, what I want to do is just paint an accurate picture of where the organization is right now and where it must go deep into the future and what, after this disappointing second half of the season, must change. So thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Kerry Crowley Show.